Hello and welcome to Herb Podcast, a reflection on the best bits Herb Campus Bristol has to offer. I am your host, Dulcie Godfrey. Hello to all my guys, gals and non-binary pals out there. Happy March. March is a great month because it brings International Women's Day, which we will be talking about in our first section of this episode. I will then cover an amazing event I went to, which featured the youngest female trio to row across the Atlantic, hosted by Ted Ideas Society and Bristol Boat Club. If you know me, you know boats and the sea kind of scare me, so this was an incredible achievement and an amazing talk to attend. And finally, I get to talk to Imogen Hope about why there was a sudden emphasis on dieting when the easing of lockdown was announced. I hope you enjoy. Please do contact us on Instagram at HerCampusBristol if you want to talk about any of the topics or suggest something you'd like me to cover. Again, hope you enjoy the episode. Happy near International Women's Day. I really like when March 8th comes around. It's a good motivator to put your energies into fighting any feminist campaign that's close to your heart. And also, it's a good time to tell the women in your life how much you appreciate them. In that spirit, co-president of Her Campus Bristol, Noah, wrote an article about celebrating inspirational women in your life for International Women's Day. And it got me thinking. Noah prompts the questions, who makes you feel loved? Who makes you feel safe? Who gives you a boost of confidence? Who inspires you? Who do you inspire to be like? And it was a really wholesome reflection. Inspirations can be anyone, from celebrities and politicians to your friends and family. Ellie Crabb, in her article, mentions Gillian Burke, best known for her role as co-presenter of BBC Spring Rotch and other shows, and reading about her life facing racism and sexism in the workplace, and her commitment to stopping the climate crisis, Ellie is absolutely right in her choice. More details about Gillian Burke can be found on the Her Campus website, which I will link in the show notes below. Two of my personal inspirations are Adrian Rich and Audre Lorde. They are known mostly as poets and feminist activists from the 60s, 70s and 80s, but they were also teachers, librarians and mothers. They talked vehemently about intersectionality in feminism before there was even a word for it. In Lord's words, I am not free while any woman is unfree, even when her shackles are very different from my own. Their poetry is especially beautiful, and I'm going to put links to my favourite collections as well as their essays in the show notes. And finally, my true inspiration this International Women's Day, which is my mum, Sue. She's built an incredible career, all while putting up with her four children, one of whom is me, and I promise you that's no easy task. Love you, Sue. I saw Hattie Ellis's article about the two Bristol University graduates who were part of the youngest female trio to row across the Atlantic and I had to find out more. Hannah, Flo and their teammate Georgie took turns sleeping and rowing facing waves the size of houses for 52 days, 4 hours and 57 minutes across roughly 3,000 miles of the Atlantic. They have raised over £15,000 for two charities, one about getting women in sport and one about mental health in sport, two hugely important causes. I'll link the Just Giving pages in the show notes, so please do give if you can. They named their boat Dolly Parton, which I thought was great, and Ted Ideas Society with the Bristol University Boat Club, in the spirit of International Women's Day, put on a talk with the three phenomenal women, and I was so excited to attend. So we are Atlantic Antics. We're a female trio who just rode across the Atlantic Ocean starting in December. 
Uh, we arrived in Antigua in February and we're here today to tell our story about the row, how it came to be, um, why we did it and hopefully maybe even inspire some of you to take on your own adventure. We then spent about 18 months preparing for the row and this consisted of training in the gym, uh, on land we had a personal trainer to help try and get us fit and all of this kind of focused on our like mobility and trying to make sure that we um, you know, were fit enough to take on this challenge. We also had to do a series of courses, which luckily we got done just before COVID hit. So these included all our, our way courses for first aid, sea survival, navigation, uh, VHF radio, and also a, kind of special ocean rowing course that the race organisers put on. I'd say actually the biggest challenge we faced during, with all the preparation was trying to get sponsorship for, for the row. I think that's the hardest thing is trying to uh, raise all the funds and particularly at a time with the pandemic on and everyone's budgets were cut. So, you know, a lot of a lot of time went into it trying to trying to get people on board, trying to raise those funds and, and yeah, I guess that a big part of a race is just getting to the start line and in a year like 2020 it was probably arguably harder than ever but we eventually got there. The tale of their incredible journey was phenomenal and I'm not overemphasizing this. I kept forgetting that these were three women who had full-time jobs as a data analyst, a geography teacher, a freelance designer. They completed 18 months of extensive training all while raising money for charity and having normal lives. Now, here's Georgie talking about those first few days on the waves and how difficult it already was. Uh, we had this talk by Carsten, the race director, and he sort of geared us all up and was like, today is the day that you row across the Atlantic. Uh, and so we all left the tent cheering and weeping and we ran down to our parents and gave them big hugs and they were in tears and... It was the weirdest thing ever. We also had all these seasickness tablets that we'd put on our behind our ears. So my mouth was the driest, as dry as a desert. So I didn't know whether that was nervous or just the seasickness thing. And then we pushed off with all the other teams were all clapping and cheering. We all cheered for each team as they left the harbour. And it was like, okay, here we go. And then suddenly that was it. 16, 12, 16 hours of us rowing three up. Uh, staring at Lagomera for about three days. <laughs> it took us longer than you thought to get away from the land. People always said on the, for the first three days, it's like the hardest thing ever. And we were just rowing along and I think we were all going a little bit crazy, but just didn't realise it. Because when it came to night, it was the most disorienting thing ever. Uh, I think we were hallucinating a little bit. We could hear people talking. Um, we all thought there was a fourth member of our team. I think we all probably hoped that there was a fourth member so we could go a little bit faster. The whole talk was so interesting to listen to. Georgie, Hannah and Flo took us through the highs and lows of their 52 days, including celebrating Christmas and New Year, seeing whales, having technical problems with their water maker, injuries, bad weather and even flying fish. It's not called the world's toughest challenge for nothing. They have videos and pictures of their race on their Instagram at Atlantic Antics 2020, which are really fun to watch, so check those out. I'll be sure to link it in the show notes. My favourite bit was when they talked about listening to Harry Potter as they rode. That's exactly what I would have picked to listen to. Speaking about what they'd learned on their journey, what stood out to me was the notion to just go for it, take risks and live in the moment. Taking challenges one day at a time means you can overcome almost anything, and these three incredible women showed that. 
If they can be the youngest female trio to row across the Atlantic, I can definitely finish my dissertation. Again, I'll link their Instagram in the show notes at Atlantic Antics 2020 and also their Just Giving page. Please donate if you're able. It's such an important cause. And also just to celebrate their incredible achievement. It's a real inspiration for International Women's Day or the week after it. When I read Imogen Hope's article for her campus, Why I'm Not on an End of Lockdown Diet, and I Don't Think You Should Be Either, it really struck home with some anxieties I'd been feeling, and I'm sure many people have been feeling. I'd seen the same picture of a bowl of ice with the caption, My Diet Until June 21st, that Imogen details in her article, as well as the adverts for detox tea and workout regimes, all triggered by the news about the easing of lockdown. I'm sure most of you have seen the same thing. Imogen really sensitively sets out how this side of social media puts further pressure on people to look a certain way, the undercurrent of shame being placed on people whose bodies have changed during COVID. Imogen instead encourages everyone to be kind to themselves. In her words, your body and weight are no one else's business except yours, and you don't need to change yourself in order to be worthy of celebrating when the restrictions are lifted. Imogen really kindly sat down with me to have a chat about the issue and some of the things she's found useful in battling this kind of damaging mindset. Um, thank you so much for doing this, really appreciate it. So, um, I really liked the article, I thought it was really like well-considered and nice, and I was just going to ask you what motivated you to write it in the first place? I've just been seeing a lot of posts. I guess it was something that played on my mind a lot. Unless you're very vigilant about your social media, it probably comes across to a certain extent. Uh, dieting posts, lots of before and after pictures, all of that jazz, which is joyful and like if it helps some people that's great that's fine I have no problem with that but I personally don't find it terribly helpful and then after the announcement kind of if whenever I was scrolling through my phone it was just much more of that more of the same memes like a plate of ice with this like my diet until the 21st of June and I just think it's so damaging and really harmful and just not good for anybody's mental health anyone receiving that yeah you're right there's always diet stuff on especially Instagram I think about you know people's goals and whatever and you're right some people find it useful and I personally I find it really unhelpful why do you think this specific news event has triggered all of this new like reimagination of that trend of like my diet until blah blah blah. Why do you think? Why do you think lessening restrictions has prompted this? It's more of the same kind of beach body ready rhetoric that kind of tends to happen around this like January New Year New Me beach body ready for the summer kind of thing. So it's playing on that, but I think also the fact that we have been in this kind of on again off down. So it's been a year of us not going out, not seeing other people, in some ways not having to parade our bodies in the way that we normally would have to. And so I think for a a lot of people, this idea of lifting lockdown is a celebration, but it's also a cause of a lot of anxiety for a lot of different reasons. I think this really plays on that as well, as well as being sort of a previous rhetoric that we're used to and familiar with which is joyful yeah I think you're right about summertime especially I think this is just an emphasis on like the coming summer this is the summer 2021 hot girl summer 2021 if you if you would um so if you're if people like you people like me if you're feeling the pressure what would you suggest what have you found helpful maybe that you could recommend in like trying to alleviate some of those anxieties you've talked about everyone's relationship with their body is different right whether you're whoever you are what your previous experiences are 
Um, so I think it's very going to be very different, like person to person, what people find useful, helpful. Um, for me, it's been a few different things. It's been trying to rem- sometimes just completely remove myself from looking at that kind of social media for a period of time. I think reminding myself that this past year has been about so much more than how my body looks. Everyone's had different experiences this year, but a lot of focus has been about our health. People have been through massive bereavements. So just the fact that my body has done things for me, it's still working, you know, we're still going. Um, It's the only body I'm ever going to have. And why waste time being up there, I think, is what I've really kind of tried to remind myself, come to the conclusion And I think we're taught so much to normalise negative self-talk that to have positive self-talk, to to actively love your body is like almost revolutionary. That's something that you really need to like teach yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think more and more I've been trying to pick up healthy habits that are healthy for me. And that might be like not looking at social media. That might be if I'm feeling really awful, like eating a piece of chocolate, because that's what I want and need. And it's not going to, you know, damage my body forever. So yeah, those are, those are just a, a few things that I've been finding helpful. And just remembering that this year has been hard. And frankly, we've all had bigger things to worry about than looking amazing in a bikini. And also that your body is enough anyway. You don't have to change for anyone else. Imogen is absolutely right. Thinking about what we've all been through over the last year, there is simply no time for focusing on what you look like. Instead, it's time to have fun. And when I say hot girl summer 2021, I mean feeling good, having the best time, whatever that looks like for you. Loving your body can be really difficult, but it's the only one you've got. And as Imogen said, try and treasure the things it does for you. And I've kind of taken the approach of if you can look in the mirror and give yourself a nod and move on, then you're doing a really good job because it is really hard. So remember to have a piece of chocolate when you want it. You have been listening to Her Podcast with your host, Dulcie Godfrey. Thank you so much for listening. Please follow us on Instagram at Her Podcast Bristol for any updates about the new episodes. And also feel free to get in contact about anything you'd like to see on the podcast. Please review and subscribe wherever you're listening to this or even just recommend it to a friend. I'd really appreciate it. All the societies and the links and the articles mentioned will be in the show notes below. Hope you enjoyed this episode and see you next time. Goodbye.